Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the next episode of my podcast, Women's Healthcare with Dr. Bruce Pierce. This is Dr. Bruce Pierce. And again, if you uh, listen to the, my last podcast, we have Becca Ironside, pelvic floor physical therapist and author. Hi, Becca. Hi, Dr. Pierce. Hi. So this is so... I don't want you to feel too special, but you're the first one that's two times in a row. Really? Yeah. My first back-to-back guest. So now I call you a recurring character in my podcast. (laughs) So, so Becca, um, so today's topic we discussed, of course, before we got here, is you wanted to talk about, we wanted to talk about sex through the ages, through the decades. Is that correct? Yes, the lifespan. And why do we want to talk about this? Because now you, I'll, 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 I'll speak for you. I'll, I'll mansplain. <laughs> because now you live in Florida, and there's a elderly, uh, older population there that you're seeing through your pelvic floor physical therapy that um, has spiked this topic. Correct? Yes. Okay. Tell us more about it. Sure. Um, I found when I worked up here, due to the nature of my work as a pelvic floor physical therapist, a lot of the questions that you ask your patients are about sex. So I would say a lot of the conversations had in the state of New Jersey were that people, let's say between the ages of 58 and 62, they would sort of throw in the towel on sex. It just was no longer a part of their lives. And I thought that was very unfortunate, but you can't argue with people and their proclivities. So I then moved to Florida and I realized that people are getting laid in their 70s and 80s. And I'm so excited by this and encouraged. And I don't know why it is. I don't know if it's the weather. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder why the discrepancy... It's a huge discrepancy, I think. Did you ever talk to any of them down there? But uh, Or they just came in saying, oh, now we're, we're having sex and we're in our 70s and 80s and, and that's the way it is. It is the way it is. That's and in fact, is. I work in independent livings and assisted livings and there's um, there's a, people are very sexually active in oh, these communities. Interesting. So I think what, what we discussed, we wanted to talk about uh, I guess we'll we'll start at the older range, and we'll do like the Benjamin Button thing, where we'll 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 decrease in age range, and then talk about issues about sex. Yes. In those decades. Yes. Does that and sound so fair? yeah, and I like that we're doing it backwards because let's face it, a lot of people take issue with either imagining themselves or others in their eighties having sex. I don't personally, but. We wouldn't want to end a podcast on a note that would make anyone feel uncomfortable. Hence, this is why we're doing it backwards. And another great thing that sort of spawned this idea was that you, as an OBGYN, you hear sexual stories from women all day. And I hear sexual stories from men all day. Isn't that funny? Because I'm a man and you're a woman. Yes. And it's the opposite. Yes. Yes, you're absolutely... So maybe... (laughs) I, I, the man, have more perspective on the on the female. <laughs> in many ways, you in might. Many, yeah. And and you, the opposite. Yeah. That's interesting. But we all have, our, of course, our own perspectives. Not that we're talking about ourselves, of course. It's right. All right. about our research. Yes. Right, Becca. Yeah. Oh, it's all research based. Yeah. Yes. Of course, absolutely. So, so yeah. I mean, I think it's. I guess maybe it's 
society maybe that tells us we're not supposed to think sex in the 70s and 80s is normal yes and maybe something like that should be either not discussed or gross or you yeah. or yeah. any use any of your adjectives that people have yeah. used yes they really do find it disgusting and um I just wish it, I wish it weren't so. I I feel as though some of this is generational. So if you look at the um, the greatest generation, the World War II people, they they didn't talk about sex at all. Right. So that makes sense, right? right? And it also makes sense that. Let me tell you this quick story. Please do. So in the movie The Graduate. Yes. Okay. Yes. So this is the movie about Mrs. Robinson, and there's an illicit affair between a woman, Anne Bancroft, right. and a much younger boy, Dustin, Dustin Hoffman. Hoffman. Okay. Yes. So he meets her in hotel rooms, and she's the older woman. Right. And Anne Bancroft was only 36 years old when that movie was filmed. Wow. So, so the older woman. That is. Crazy and right, so we considered that that was taboo, right? A thirty-six-year-old woman yes. with a, I guess, a twenty-something, a lover, a lover, right, right, right. So look how, I guess, look how far we've come. Right? Yes. So that's getting better. It's getting much better because if you think, no one would consider a thirty-six-year-old woman an older, <laughs> no, older woman nowadays, which especially, I love. especially us, <laughs> right? Yes, <laughs> we crossed that line. <laughs> So in that sense, I think that we are um, opening up as a culture in terms of aging and sexuality. I would just like to, I don't know, sort of poke the fire a little bit and get some discussions going about how people could sort of reinvigorate themselves and um, and see sex as, as just part of their lives, much like eating and sleeping and walking is just part of your life. I think, it's, I think we're getting better at that in general, mm-hmm. um, just from research you know and going on youtube and stuff like that there's a lot of there's a lot of topics out there and there's a lot of people with their shows and yes and mostly around sex right so and it all started with dr ruth that was years ago you know what uh i have i met dr ruth i don't know if you know this <gasps> twice i'm so jealous Are you more than tw- more than twice but i have she i got a book autograph from her on two separate occasions which book uh, i don't remember Oh my gosh. Is at home. I'm so jealous that you met her. That's my dream. I met her twice. I and used to listen to her when I was 12 years old. So on we, the radio. Uh, yeah, so when you're, um, oh, me too. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely. So, yeah, we used to huddle around. You know, of course, it had to be low. We didn't want anybody. Right, to your parents. Your parents, to listen. I don't think they would care, to be honest with you. Yours uh, might not have. No. Mine certainly they, would oh, have. Okay. <laughs> I don't think mine cared. But anywho, <laughs> so it was so, like, at the time, right, that it was, like, a big deal. Yes. Like, oh, they're actually talking about... She talked about how there were sex. nerve endings in the penis. She she said the word penis on the air. I know. On the radio, and they didn't cut and, her, We were waiting for them to cut her off. I like, know. Like, like a click to happen. Yeah. But... Yeah. So that was, like, back in the early 80s, right? That was... Yes, it was. was. So, so, yeah, so, uh, as you, everyone knows out there, if they listen to the podcast, I'm a... OBGYN. And uh, every year, Dr. Ruth used to go to our annual clinical meetings. So, what we call our ACOG, or American College of OBGYN meetings. Mm. And she, especially if she had a book to promote, yes. she would always be there and sign autographs and stuff. So, so we met a couple of times and she told me, uh, she saw that I was from the Princeton, New Jersey area. Like, oh, she has a, a granddaughter who's going to Princeton. So, we had a little chit chat. How about that? Me and Dr. Ruth. 
I'm so so envious. You good, no good, idea. Me, good friends of good friend of mine. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start yes. with. Sorry, that was my story. That was my story. No, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to start with yes. the age group of the 70s and 80s. So people's sexuality in the 70s and 80s. So Dr. Pierce, yes. what would you say that you're seeing for women in their 70s and 80s? Are they sexually active? Are they interested? Um, it varies. Honestly, I'm going to say mostly no. Uh-huh. I would say the majority are not sexually active. Not because they don't want to be, but either they're either divorced or widowed and they don't have an act a partner who is sexually active. So even if they do have a partner, the yeah. partner may have some erectile yes. dysfunction. And, and I guess they decide as a couple that companionship is more important than sex so i would say that's i hate to say it, i would i'm thinking that's the majority yeah. and then I, I have a minority of of patients in that age bracket who are sexually active and are doing well and it seems it seems to be the difference between the two is that there isn't a any long gaps in sexual activity so it seems like the women who are could you know have been sexually active the whole time have no issues, yeah. and the women who are like, oh, I haven't had sex in twenty years, then the, they're not going back. They're not going back, or they're it's or it's they're having a trouble. They're having trouble going back if, assuming they find a willing partner. Okay, now you've said to me that you actually encourage, which I do too, your clients in their seventies and eighties to masturbate. Can you tell me why that is? I do. So, uh, I basically say. The vagina is a, a use-it-or-lose-it organ. It, it's elastic, and it stretches, and it has to have that memory. Uh, and if it gets neglected, not neglected, that's a bad word. If it's not sexually active with either a partner or a uh, vibrator or mm-hmm. a sex toy, etc., yeah. etc., it loses that elasticity. It becomes dry, yes. and then once you try to start up, it it hurts. It's pain. It, Very it, painful. It's painful. So, yeah. so if I have a patient who is like not sexually active, but wants but doesn't want to lose that ability, I highly encourage masturbation, which is you know I guess in the old days a taboo subject, but now we're allowed to talk. Mm-hmm. So it's in so uh, I encourage it, and also now it's easier to buy sex toys. Yes, much because easier. of the internet, mm-hmm. um, and you used to have to like go into this back sex, room, back room sex shop, yes. and then people would see you go in there, mm-hmm. even though they're probably going there for the same reason. They are. Uh, there was the only reason why they were, one reason why they would be there, <laughs> but people just didn't wanted to avoid. That, but now with the internet and Amazon, they could just buy whatever they like online, and it comes in a nice Amazon package, and nobody knows what's in it, and etc. etc. Except one patient said, I can't, I share my Amazon account uh, with with my my son. That happens a lot, so I encourage women out there to get their own Amazon. Or men, or men, yes, for such things. That's right, men do sex toys too, right? I don't know, I don't know anything about men. Becca. So, uh, right. You know, that's right. your, that's your, okay. I, but for women, uh, yeah, so it's easier now. And also, you know, there's a wide variety. And I always tell patients don't go for the, the big, you know, 
gonzo one right away. Right. There's, a, there's a stepwise fashion. <laughs> yes. you, know, you start small and then you work your way up. Yes. So, yes, yeah. highly encourage. I love it. So on my end for the gentleman, um, I find that a lot of guys in their 70s and 80s might have a partner who has stopped due to menopause, pain with sex after menopause, very common for penetrative sex and pain are linked after menopause for women. Now, obviously there's other kinds of sex, but sometimes a woman will close up shop after menopause and often sometimes it'll be a man with diabetes and he just loses erectile function and he just stops everything right and so what i encourage those men to do is to masturbate in the absence of an erection which is possible and you can still reach climax so these guys say i'm not going to masturbate my penis doesn't get hard that actually doesn't matter because you can still get the sensation of climax and you can masturbate towards that sensation without ever having an erection. And what does that do? That keeps the libido going. Now, it was you who told me. Yes. Because I often think Cialis and Viagra. If men are popping that, then they must be perfectly fine. They must all have nice rigid erections and active sex lives. But that's not true. You told me that these pharmaceuticals, they increase blood flow, but they don't increase libido. The libido has to be there. I'm very smart. Very, so yes, yeah, it the Cialis or Viagra um, medications only work once you're aroused. Yes. So in the presence of arousal, then it increases blood flow to the penis and uh, and allows the erection to be better. Yes. Um, but if the arousal is not there, and I think that's why we it doesn't work in women. Like we used to say, yeah. try it in women. Uh, because, oh, if it works for men, it should work for women. Cause it, because embryologically, the organs are very similar. And like for every male part, there's the female part. For the penis, there's the clitoris. Yes. For the for the uh, vulva, there's scrotum. Yes. Scrotum. Okay. So that's, yes. scrotum is the labia. Yes, okay. And the penis is the clitoris. And so everything has its own embryologic. So why, if it works in men, why shouldn't it work in women? But that's the reason. Because most women's sexual dysfunction as we call it is from desire disorders like that's they don't, exactly right and that is not fixed by viagra or cialis right no it's not so men have that too huh yes well here's what happens if a man stops having sex completely his libido will go down and so i see this a lot in gentlemen after prostate cancer and they get the prostate removed or they get radiation and if they stop having sex completely at that point they'll have no libido so since i've started working with these men there's this one guy on this online support group and he shouts from the rooftops that he masturbated constantly after his prostate was removed once cleared by the doctor in the absence of libido. Okay. He did it and eventually the libido returned. But he said, I had to keep the tissues moving. I had to I had to do it. And he did some things with his wife and some things without. But he says, when people stop, any, any person, a man or a woman, when they stop having sex in the absence of libido, it's going to be very hard as if, as you've said, many years have gone by and zero sexual activity has occurred. So it seems like, again, men and women in some ways are the same yes yes many ways different but some ways the same. <laughs> yes <laughs> and another thing i want to say about um urinary leakage so we treat that more in women 
just because of the changes after menopause, but we do see it in men as well. And if that happens in the 70s and 80s, what we encourage then is sexual activity because when you have an orgasm, the muscles of your pelvic floor will quiver and strengthen with orgasm. It's a workout. So it's kind of exercise. Exercise. So even if a woman doesn't want an orgasm, I don't see why she wouldn't, but if she doesn't, right. you can encourage masturbation towards the end of uh, urinary continence. Oh, another good reason. Yeah. You know, just yeah. chalk that up there. Another, yes. another good reason. Perfect. Excellent. So, so, I, so you assume you encourage that in your patients as well, that sounds like. Yes. So, so we see, very same. Same. All right. Any more to say on 70s and 70s 80s? 70s and 80s? I think I have questions. Yeah, so, so the, all right, so I guess it's more um, in Florida. It's, it's more acceptable. Yes. And, and you're right. Some of this is societal. Yeah. Society's. So, so, what are, so, what are the men doing? So, is it just they're just loading up on the Viagra Cialis and, and going for it? Or you, you were telling me about other stuff. Oh, like, uh, uh, implants. implants. Yeah. So there's this surgeon in town where I'm living and I'm dying to meet him. And all he does all day is install implants. So penile implants. So one testicle you would squeeze and the penis would inflate. And then when you're finished, the, you would squeeze the other testicle and it would deflate. Are you serious? And I've never seen this in action and I'm dying to. So if anyone's out there and you want to come to my clinic and show it to me under a professional... Um, Situation. Yeah. It's research. Yes, I would absolutely love to see this in yeah. action. And you can obviously bring a chaperone, and nothing strange will happen. I just, this is just so fascinating to me. Oh, I didn't know that's how it. I thought like you put an implant in, and like you're, it's like you have a constant erection, oh, which no. is like embarrassing. No. No, like oh uh, wow. Well. It's as needed. It's PRN. What will they think of next? I know, like, uh, right? This is amazing technology. Yes, and for women. You know all about the role of topical estradiol. Oh, yeah. Can you I, talk about that for I a minute? I prescribe it like water. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so uh, so as you said, for women uh, in their 70s and even earlier, after menopause, mm-hmm. let's say, uh, the vagina gets dry due to lack of estrogen. So a lot of women now are fearful of hormone replacement I therapy. Know, because it's it, so it, got a, it got a bad rep. Uh, I think, unfortunately, I think... Everything gets blown out of proportion, you mm-hmm. know, in the in the media. Yes. So, like about I guess twenty uh, some years ago, um, we when I first started, we were like writing prescriptions for hormones, like yeah, crazy, like yeah. every like on the it's a pendulum. So, like we were actually told at that time, which ended up being wrong, that uh, oh, it reduces your risk of heart disease yes. and and. Uh, and Alzheimer's, and it has all these benefits other than what it's supposed to be used for. So we're like, oh, that's great. And we just prescribe it. And then they found it really wasn't good for those things. But it was good for what it was supposed to be good for, which is um, symptoms of menopause, hot flashes, and vaginal dryness, mm-hmm. which leads to painful sex, yes. are the most common. So um, so it got a bad rep. A bit, you know, got in the news that mm-hmm. you should not use it. It causes breast cancer. And if you take... One pill, you're going to get breast cancer. Not true. I mean, if without going into uh, detail, it it was a it was a a study that only showed a very slight increase in breast cancer in women who used versus not used. But if you break it down, it's the women who use two hormones instead of one, 
like they use an estrogen and a progesterone, not just an estrogen alone, which some women can do. And then also the women who got the breast cancer were usually high risk patients, like uh, anyway, uh, right in, in their later six, like over sixty five, yeah. who had other, you know, so so it pr- probably it was in patients who you wouldn't give hormones to anyway because they had other. Uh, medical problems that would preclude them from getting it. Yes. So, but they give it to them anyway for the study. And guess what? Yeah, they saw it. A, a, even then, it was just a slight increased risk. But it got the news, and then it, it got all torn down. So it caused a lot of fear. You're right. Everyone was everyone was taken off those hormones. Then. Everyone was taken off. Right. And my patients who were on them said they felt fabulous, and then they were thrust back into the exactly. the canyon of menopause, exactly. the so, memory fog. So most of my time, I try to. Uh, Combat that and try to say, well, you know, for vaginal estrogen, it's not the same as the oral or mm-hmm. the or the or the patchwork that goes through your whole body. What we call systemic, right? It's it's a topical estrogen. It's localized to the vaginal vulva area, mm-hmm. and um, I know many many patients or doctors who treat or oncologists who treat breast cancer patients. I was just going to say that. And they actually tell their patients yep. uh, and say it's okay to take a vaginal estrogen. Which is so encouraging for these women because if they have breast cancer and it's sensitive to estrogen, then they're put on drugs like tamoxifen, and that really does a number on the pelvic floor oh, in terms of pain. It's really bad. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is so helpful to these women. Uh, right. So I say if a oncologist who treats breast cancer patients is comfortable prescribing it, then... You who do not have breast cancer <laughs> are clearly could could go on this as you you know you have to be monitored and I you know I see every three to six months mm-hmm. and, and until until we're doing fine everything's good I you know you make sure you get your mammograms on time yeah. you get your breast exams and uh, we do we follow all the guidelines and as long as it's monitored by a doc by a by a provider I'm like, yeah. see I'm biased I see doctor by a provider um, then. It's safe and it's effective and it really helps. All right. So this is a great segue into the 50s and 60s, those decades. Yes. Okay. So we're talking about menopause. Is that what you're seeing most commonly from the female perspective? That is correct. It's the transition into menopause, which is tough. Oh, yeah. It's very tough. There's a lot of changes. Sometimes they're abrupt. Um, Yeah. And and a lot of sexual changes, mainly around vaginal dryness and pain with sex and mm-hmm. uh, and hot flashes and night sweats and mood swings. Yeah, it ain't it ain't always pretty. However, this is my this is my 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 spiel. Not everybody gets this. Right. It's not like you're doomed because everybody says, "Well, I, I need to know when I'm going to go to menopause because I need to know when I'm going to be miserable." Well, I'm like, well, not every, not, not, not necessarily true. Menopause is uh, is not a disease. Right. That's my 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 other right. line. Menopause is and perimenopause, which is like near, near menopause, which sounds like a horrible disease. I got perimenopause. It's not a disease either. It is a description of your menstrual career. Oh, I like that. It's a description. So (laughs) once you retire from your menstrual career, meaning no periods for a year, that's true menopause. Everything before that is perimenopause. And where you get some symptoms of menopause, but not... But you're still having periods. Yes. So that's perimenopause. Menopause is no periods for one year. That's the only definition. There's no other diagnosis. Uh, There is blood tests that could kind of guide you, give a snapshot Mm -hmm. of 
where you are, but it's not how you diagnose menopause by a blood test. Some people think, oh, I need a blood test to oh, see if so I'm in menopause. Oh, looking at the hormones, yeah. And also, it cannot tell you how long you have to go either. So I can't do a blood test and say, oh, you have six more months. It doesn't exist. So it's all different. And the blood tests that we get are from our hormone blood tests that are pulsatile. I mean, they go up and down every day. Oh. So depending on what time of the day you get the test, it could change, it, it could, it could change from one day to the next. So it's, it's just a guide. It's a snapshot. And I do get it sometimes. Um, it's a guide and a snapshot. It's not a diagnosis. It's not a way to diagnose menopause. And menopause is not a disease. So I have many, many patients who are in menopause or near and are perfectly fine. No okay. symptoms whatsoever. Okay. Have no issues. And they glide through it like, like butter. But some women don't. And okay. some women have a hard time. Okay. Here's a question I've always had. In my head, can women still self-lubricate after menopause? Yes, they can. Yes, with continued act, uh, sexual activity, okay. sexual-like right. activity. So my thinking was always lubrication is, is for young women, right? And that once you have no estrogen on the vulva, you're always going to need astroglide. But you're saying if a person continues to use these tissues and stimulate them, she'll keep lubricating. Absolutely. In fact, I have some patients who are either menopausal or near, who who don't want to use lube. They say, oh. I'm fine. I'm oh. fine. See, that's awesome. Although I encourage it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody needs a little help. You know, so... Well, and sometimes the man. It, 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 sometimes, sometimes it feels better for the man. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. So, so if... Uh, a patient coming coming in with some sexual dysfunction, they're menopausal, you're menopausal, and they say, no, lubrication is not the issue. I'm like, well, for you, but right. What about uh -huh. for the guy? Maybe he needs a little lubrication. So I yeah. encourage it. Okay. I encourage it. Other than topical estrogen on the vulva itself, is there anything else that you recommend medically to um, help with the sexual response? Is there uh, anything out there? It, it's There's just... Different types of lube. Okay. Like, like there's, there's, oh, lube is like a whole thing. Oh, it's, it's like, a, it, I know. Oh, it's like there's water-based lube. Yes. There's silicone-based oh, silicone lube. There's oil-based lube. And it's like it runs the whole gamut. Uh, I usually just encourage my patients, start with the, the tried-and-true KY water-based. Yes. Yes. Start there. Like like sex toys, you don't want to go for the gusto. You don't want to go for the extra large rabbits, right? When you, you could start with like a little egg that you put in there. That the just... egg, right? So so yeah, start. So the KY is like the like the little vibrating egg. Yes, meaning that's what you start with, and then mm -hmm. from there you could well let's try this, let's try that, and then you could experiment, etc. Uh, etc. Et or you could just stay where you are if you're happy with it, and that's all you need. Okay, but start there and then work your way around and try different things in they have like yeah these warming gels and these tingling which are all good but mm -hmm. not, not for everybody no and sometimes i've seen them like cause like some irritation irritation i will say this there's this one company out in california that makes cbd oil suppositories and lubricant it's called foria and it makes it makes the sexual organs smell like chocolate and not the crappy chocolate that makes the Easter bunnies. It's the kind of chocolate that you would get in Belgium. Oh, it's, Bel a, it's great a Belgian cho chocolate scent. Interesting. We have no uh, financial relationship with to that Foria. company. No, but unless it's just they great. Want to, unless they right. want to contact us. And then fine. We're all about that. <laughs>
<laughs> all right. So this is this is all excellent. So 50s and 60s for yes. women. 50s and 60s for men, what I see more is decreased erectile function. Right. Right. And some of that's aging. Some of that's obesity. Some of that's diabetes. And some of that's not using the penis. Right. Right. So for towards this end, what we tell men to do is... If your doctor prescribes Cialis and Viagra and you like it, have at it. Some guys just don't. They don't like the feeling that it gives them. Right, so right. Just headaches for some. Yes. One yes. man described a bloody nose. Yes, I've heard about that. Yeah. And congestion and yeah. things like that. So that's a personal thing. Right. However. Yes. So, you know, again, there's different, as there's different types of lube. Okay. And different types of sex toys. There's mm-hmm. different medication right but 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 there's different types of of that because you know i know viagra is like the mainstay that's like it was the original that was was the the og the og but i think from what i know in my research see alice um uh has some advantages it lasts longer yeah. you don't have to take it every day yeah um so and then there's other there's newer stuff that's coming out so so cool. I would say for those men, if they have like a bad reaction to one, that doesn't mean they're all the same. Yes. They, they may want to try others. others. And another thing is that I, I've worked closely with uh, hormone specialists. And these are more functional medicine doctors, right? So they talk about the man's sexual response. And the man goes in there thinking, I'm low in testosterone. I am. I want testosterone. That's what you're giving me. And what the practitioners say is, this is a lifestyle issue. You're right. going to have to change your entire life. This I can supplement your testosterone and I can monitor you, but you also have to lose weight. You have to exercise. You have to lay off your unhealthy habits, stop drinking so much, um, and you have to actually have a partner with whom you can communicate. So that is a huge lifestyle change, and a lot of men just don't want to hear that. Well, that's part of the communication, right? Yeah. <laughs> If somebody doesn't want to hear it, that tells you right there that communication might be an issue. Yeah. Yeah, testosterone kind of scares me a little bit, to be honest Does with you. Because I, I, have, I have patients who have been on it or, you know, um, and again, it's not, you know, I'm not a big fan of it, so I don't prescribe it. I used to do it back in the day. Right. But, um, you know, some data on that was like, it was actually worse for your like cholesterol and stuff than, than regular hormone therapy. So, so, and also some, some of the side effects may not be reversible, you know, so. Okay. So you and I had a long discussion and yes. this was very good discussion. It was about a month ago and it was about uh, use of anabolic steroids. So young gentlemen who overuse testosterone or even guys in their fifties and sixties, I know some of them and they like to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, so they overuse testosterone for appearance. And that actually has the opposite effect on your libido. That would actually shrivel the testicles right? and, um, and create erectile dysfunction. Yeah. And as you said also, um, I've treated men who've had erections that won't go down from overuse of testosterone. And you've had patients who, females, who are on testosterone right. and they're clit. They're, they're cl- they have what we call clitoromegaly, meaning their clitoris gets very enlarged. And but not necessarily in a, in a good way, but right. it's just like like chronic enlarged uh, uh, clitoris that just it's almost a little bit disfiguring actually. So that sounds disfiguring. And yeah. uh, and because uh, because then your your vulva doesn't look the same. No. So uh, but and sometimes that's irreversible. And sometimes that's irreversible. Yeah, that's so sad. you got to be 
You have to be was, careful with hormones. Be careful with hormones. You know. Yes. They're good, but then to a limit. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So lifestyle would be exercise, communication, and actually using your penis, masturbation, penetrative sex, oral sex, sex. Right. It encompasses all those Right. And that's another thing. People think when they hit a certain age, if penetrative sex is no longer on the table, sometimes they stop then. Right. And that's not ideal. Well, that's that's society also. Yes, it is. Society means, sex means penetration. Yes. And that's sometimes why there's a lot of women who are not satisfied with their heterosexual relation, sexual relationship, because, uh, especially of different cultures, because we're, we're especially male dominated cultures yes. um, that feel that sex is penetrative only yes. and, no, and clitoral clitoral stimulation is not a thing right and uh, not should not be uh, entertained right and and then and then the the men are fine but then their right. their part their female vulva owner partners are not fine because right. they're not satisfied because many women don't climax with penetrative sex. Many. Yeah. Um, and many only climax with clitoral stimulation yeah. only, which is more common. So it's kind of funny. They have these like studies of, uh, of orgasms in women, mm-hmm. and they found that heterosexual women orgasm like f- f- 60% of the time, I think is the number, 40 to 60% that mm-hmm. range. And... Uh, lesbian women. Uh, oh, they have the best orgasms. Climax, ninety nine percent. It's time. amazing. I know. I like that study. So right. It's very so, revealing. It's very revealing. <laughs> because women know women, and they know what they like. Ex- ex- exactly. Yeah. Right. So yeah. very interesting stuff. All right. So yeah. So I guess yeah. Fifty six is the transition, and yes, and trying to get through, and yes, and, right. For both, I guess, men and women. Right? Yeah. It is a transition for everybody. That male menopause is real. Yeah. I mean, they're not they're not jumping off the cliff of hormones, but their hormones are decreasing and they're aging. Well, we treat it with like buying a Corvette or something like that. Oh, this I know. <laughs> that's, that's the treatment for male menopause yes. is a sports car. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay, so yes, thirties and forties. Okay, we're, now we're going backwards. Okay, we're getting there. Thirties yeah. and forties. Yeah, that's usually that's good, right? That's usually a good time. Okay, so what? Right? Do you, so women, they're childbearing oh, oh, oh. years. That's right. Mm. Now it's coming back to me. Okay. Kids kill your sex life. Yes. Oh, uh, they're their own form of birth control. You're right, because now, all right. So when you're in 30s or 40s, now <laughs> you're you're having sex in the bedroom with the doors closed because the kids are out there and you don't mm-hmm. want anybody to hear and etc. Uh, etc. Et or your wife's pregnant and right, or she's postpartum and, and doesn't want to have like right. like don't come near me. Mm-hmm. To, oh, Nia, now see, see, now it's not me, of course, not, right. uh, but you know, in my, from my research uh-huh. with uh, with the patients, yeah. So that has its own set of issues. I would um, say, yeah, usually around childbearing and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Can you do anything medically for women with a low libido during those years? I mean, is there uh, anything? We, tr- we try not to. Well, we, there is something. There's only one thing on that's FDA approved. Um, uh, it's an oral tablet called Addy, A-D-D-Y-I. 
and it is for sexual desire disorder. Really? Uh, right. So it is actually FDA approved. It's the only thing that's FDA approved uh-huh. for uh, sexual arousal and desire disorders. And it's a pill. Uh-huh. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, you got you to gotta take it every day. It's not like a just, it's not like a Viagra when you take it when you want to have sex. How does it work? It, believe it or not, it's an antidepressant. Uh, that's what I was going to guess. And so working it, on the brain. It was, it was studied as an antidepressant and they found it was a very poor antidepressant, but they found that the, that the women who took it uh, uh, had, you know, in their, in their uh, surveys uh, said they had a, they had improved their libido. As as a no side effect, kidding. so when they saw this side effect, they went, "Whoa! Well, it's a crappy antidepressant." Yeah. But if it improves the libido, let's you know, there's this big market out there. It's like like a multi billion dollar market. If they could find something like the Viagra for women, yeah, that would be really you know wonderful. That like just take a pill and your and your sex drive comes back. Yeah. So that you, as you can tell, that would be a highly desired medication, which would bring a lot of money. So. Uh, so it has, but you know, it was subjected to a male-dominated uh, society where they actually, when this drug came out, a insurance wouldn't cover it. Of course, uh, and still, I don't think still doesn't cover it. B, th- because when it first came out and uh, went for FDA approval, the F- I think the FDA. I may be wrong, but this I'm, I'm like doing a synopsis. The FDA says, well, you have to do an alcohol study on this. Uh, oh, for drinking? For drinking. See if it, you know, because women who are clearly going to have sex must be drunk or must be, uh, you know, they must uh, be, uh, <laughs> must be altered mentally in some way. Because otherwise, why would they possibly want to get Why laid? would they possibly want sex? There's something, <laughs> so something's wrong with them anyway. Yes. So let's yes. find out. So they, so apparently a drinking study is they make you drink like the equivalent of like four shots an hour. Uh, oh dear with, God. Without any food. And uh, and then they and then they like see your response and, and, and so basically so after taking this Addy and you had four shots of whiskey in an hour, some of those women uh, were passed out and some were were disoriented. So clearly we have, they so they put a black and it wasn't just from the four shots on the empty stomach. Clearly you're you're <laughs> clearly no clearly it was. <laughs> Was, but you're right. It's a mix. It's so, so dumb because yeah, if, I, if any of us had that amount of alcohol, we'd be falling off their chairs. Mm-hmm. But because they they did it, oh, you cannot drink any alcohol whatsoever if you're on Addy. It's like a black box warning oh. on the thing. No alcohol. But it was, on it. It was. It's silly because it's not fair. But they made them go back and do this study. And also, guess. Uh, it was, the kicker, guess who the study patients of the alcohol study with this medicine were? Who? Men. <gasps> men. Was, so they gave the Addy to men? Men. So it was mostly men in the study. That So oh. they didn't even study it on women. They studied it on men. So so go, go figure that. It's so ironic because you really would think that Big Pharma, the men in Big Pharma, would love it if women were hornier. It would help you would them. Think, but you know what? It, I, I, this is my opinion on IMHO, in my in my humble opinion, I I don't I think men in general, you know, the men who are the leaders who make bad lovers that we mentioned oh, last yes. night from from, uh, from so I think they may be afraid of women's sexuality and and worried though. Wait a minute, if my you know I'm 
if, if my wife is all aroused, she's going to leave me for somebody better than me. And, uh, and I'm, I'm worried about that. Okay, so, so you made an excellent point here. Right. What they're finding is that women in their 40s are very much at their sexual peak, right? And I've heard that, so yes. that would be a threat if, say, you're married and you have two children and you want a lot of sex and maybe your husband's dressed at work. And so you're right. Having a bunch of aroused women in the society in their 40s might be difficult for men to wrap their minds around. It's scary. Yes, and yet women do really peak in their forties. It's unbelievable. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's 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 remarkable. I mean, do you hear that? Yes, you do. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, the thirties. I would say less so if you're childbearing. But yeah, do you know why? You think is by. I think because the kids are older now, and they're, the yes. kids are grown. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're some of them are out of the house, or at least they're, you know, they're in the basement and with their video games yes. and stuff. So they're not paying attention. So I think. And also, you get more rest when your kids are older. When the kids are young, That's you true get sleep. no sleep at all. So yeah. like you're constantly sleep deprived. Yes. And but when they're a little older and they're self, uh, fun- whatever, self functional, yeah. self yeah. self reliant, yeah, and that you don't have to constantly like, you know, dote on them or cook and clean yes. and blah blah blah. Uh, you you get more rest as a parent. So the more I think. It may be, I don't know if it's coincidental or whatever, but maybe it's coincidental because that's when you're actually more rested. No, uh, that could that could know. definitely be a, a causative factor. And then also you are, um, you can be spontaneous. Right. Right? And you can, and you you're not hiding as much. Correct. Sneaking around, squeezing right. it in. More and, right. And so there's more opportunity. There you go. Opportunity. More All op- right. More opportunity. Now let's switch to the men for opportunities yes, yes. in the 30s and 40s. Okay. So men have a very healthy sex drive in their 30s and 40s. These can be excellent years. Right. right? Yes. Um, right. The, the erections are rigid, but also you're starting to get more opportunities than you might have had when you were, say, 22. Right. Because you're an adult. You're grown. You might have more to bring to the table relationship-wise. Like money. Like money or a conversation, and you and I discussed this, that men don't necessarily need intellectual stimulation. They can just read a book. Uh, Women require that for orgasm. And so, therefore, uh, if a man is in his 40s and witty and charming and has great erections, that's that's the ideal picture. That's what you're kind of looking for as a woman. Right. Yeah. So... uh, the irony is, I think, again, with studies, they said, uh, like, who's attracted to whom? And it's like, uh, younger men are attracted to younger women, which makes sense. Yes. So, But then they said, well, how about older men? No, they're attracted to younger women. They're still attracted <laughs> to younger women. So, right. So there is a, a you know, a, disc, a discord. Yes. A discord. Yes. So, and this, ironically. I know. And this leads us into the next topic, which is porn addiction. Ooh. Okay. Right. So porn addiction actually skyrocketed during COVID, which makes sense. Right. People Everybody's are stuck home. home. Yeah. yeah. Right. And they're miserable and they're depressed. But, and, and, you know, studies are showing that porn is not unhealthy. It's just that when used to excess, it can really cause a type of erectile dysfunction because you're really no longer connecting with your partner. 
Right. And another issue with porn is the availability. So let's go back to the 80s. Yes. With the blockbuster. Yes. Type store. Yes. And in the back room behind the curtain. Right. Was the VHS. The curtain. Yeah. Yes. The tapes. Yes. And you'd have to rent that. And you only had it for 48 hours. Right. You had to wait till the kids were in bed. Right. You then had to put it in the VHS machine. That is, that is correct. And then you had to enjoy it. And then you had to turn it off and rewind the tape and then bring it back. And God forbid, don't leave it in the tape <laughs> yeah. recorder right. where somebody else can just <laughs> press the button and watch. So right. that's a lot of work. Right. A lot of planning. Also, when you go into the back room with the curtain, there's other people in there. I know. And, and what gotta, if they're your neighbors? Your neighbors, or, or even if they're not, like you're like picking out your porn <laughs> next to some next to some dude or do or do that right and you know you're it's you're embarrassed you're very embarrassed yeah. so so fast oh, forward oh you're looking at the, the girl and girl oh that section is down <laughs> down there girl and girl oh <laughs> oh big women that's on the side, big women's on the side. Oh, th- thanks thanks I'll, i'm just browsing i'm just here for fun. That's Long fun. few big hair. Yeah. That's oh, over yeah. on the left. Yeah. Right, right. So, so yes. Yeah. So now you look and it's I mean, porn is at your fingertips. You could be sitting during a meeting, a Zoom meeting, and watching porn on your phone. I did it's, not. That was a you, rumor. You could. That was okay. One oh, could. Oh. Okay. It's a possibility. That's right. So yes, then it's yes. really overtaking your life at some point, right? Right. And so that's that's not really great for society as a whole because it's taking this image of sex that is in no way real. And making it uh, a fantasy in a man's head that really can never be duplicated. Or women. Women can be very addicted to this as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my research, of course. Okay. Only for research. Uh, I think uh, the, the breakdown of men to women and uh, watching porn uh, or ordering porn or streaming porn or whatever, I think it's like 70% men and 30% women. Um, that tracks. That right? That tracks. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's which is kind of why most porn is male centric. Yes, it is. It is male centric, and I'm gonna see if you look at the breakdown. The women, the thirty percent women users of porn usually go for the lesbian porn. Yes, because that is even if they're not lesbians, because right. that is female centric. It shows oh, uh, uh, clitoral stimulation, oral sex, and. Uh, for women receiving oral yes. sex and orgasming, yes. you know, for real, not not, not, right. not the fake. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. That was my <laughs> So is so that's why women seem to be attracted to that type of porn, um, but the majority of porn because I guess you know that you know porn is a business like anything else, so they go with their audience. Yes. Seventy like percent of your audience is men. You're going to cater to that. Audience. Yes. So it's all penetrative sex. Oh yeah, and and no, to minimal foreplay. Yeah, uh, it's mainly around unless it's the guy receiving the foreplay. Oh, that's... for forty-seven minutes straight. That's right. fine. And, that's perfectly and, acceptable. And, and, and giving oral sex to the woman for thirty seconds. Yes, and then yes. penetrative sex. Yes. Yeah. So, so so yeah so so. All right, and so this raises the next research, question. Research, of course. No, research. So there's research. a whole other demographic of porn users. Yes. And it was you, Dr. Bruce yes. Pierce, who turned me on to... Because I research. Ethical porn. Yeah, right? Talk about ethical porn. So I, I just actually, I came across... I didn't invent it. I came, I came across <laughs> it on my research. Actually, not even on... 
is on YouTube, you know, YouTube and mm-hmm. what, you know, watching other people do their podcast or listening to other people do their podcast or watching it on YouTube and stuff. And they met, and they came across ethical porn. I'm like, I'm like, what's that? So basically, ethical porn, uh, they have to meet certain criteria. A, everybody has to be consenting. So consent is a big deal. So uh, it, it wouldn't be anything that there would be no, no you know, you know, rape scenarios or right. or anything where somebody looks like they're being taken advantage of. Or uh-huh. So it's all consenting. They actually pay their uh, performers better. Oh, they're, so they're better paid, yeah. and and they're I guess they're better taken care of, and more of the sex in the in the videos are. More, I guess, I guess you call it female centric, or and it's also more real sex. They usually encourage people that are not professionals. Oh, that is but, nice. Uh, but you know, I guess there is like a section of you know called amateur porn, but I think it's a little bit more than that. They want them to be like you know involved and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So they want like a real sexual experience, not a fake. Uh, Porn, you know, porn esque uh, right. situation, which doesn't isn't right. real. And so, amateur porn, I well from research, research discovered it's people from Switzerland with like dog collars and all manner of things that draws out of the closet. So this ethical porn yeah, sounds so, like a nice like, elevated right, level. Right, it's like this is the level where it's like it's like a real couple that uh-huh, they're real. Yes. So they have a real relationship, and then they but they, and they have sex and they unedited. Yeah. Uh, so it's like you know what happens happens. Yeah. And, and but but here's the here's the downside to the ethical porn because of all this it costs, costs money. money. That makes sense. Whereas regular porn is free. Yes. This actually costs money and you got to pay. Yeah. And something. Well, well, I don't have to pay if it's free. <laughs> so <laughs> so so that but but if somebody maybe was you know. Is discouraged with porn, or maybe actually, maybe they think they're becoming addicted. Maybe look towards like the ethical porn. So I think it's less addictive because it's more real. Yes, that that would actually and, and like sense. the scenarios are real scenarios. Mm-hmm. You know, not like oh, I'm washing my car. Oh wait, <laughs> you're asking me to come in the back room. Why? So so like yep. so that's, those things don't happen, Becca. I don't think. I I've not seen them. I mean, I I wash I've, my car. I've washed my car many times. Yeah, it's not happened to you either. No. Yeah, no. I keep waiting, but no. <laughs> so, so yeah. So these are like ethical porn is like real people, and they're actually paid well, and they make sure there's uh, everybody's consent consented uh, up and down, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and nobody's doing it against their will, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think that's great. Wonderful. Oh, I think uh, I'll throw uh, uh, only from re- research. Uh, Make love, not porn. I think is the website. Oh, dot cool. com. Make love, not porn. That's is, fantastic. So look them up okay. again. No, no financial ties. Ties people, unless yeah. they want. Unless they, right. Unless they're willing. Yes. Yes. So, yes. So that's ethical porn. Ethical porn. All right. So now we're going to. 18 through 30. So now we're okay. at the beginning of sexuality. Right. Right. And right. here for is most. where right. Dr. Bruce and I are going to trade places. Okay. And I'm going to speak for the okay. woman. And yes. he's actually going to speak sure. for the men. 
Yes. But he's not gonna he's you not go gonna disclose the loss of his virginity or anything like that. So don't worry if you're no, listening. No, not at all. <laughs> I'm just speaking in generic terms. Okay. Generic terms. All right. You wait. You go first. Then. Okay. Okay. So when you're <laughs> an 18 year old female, you you do have a very high sex drive, and it's it's exciting, but you really have no idea what to do with that. And so. Let's say you try a few sexual experiences when you're 18, and some go well and some don't. Um, what you really lack is confidence, and this only gets more pronounced in your 20s. At least it did for me. So in your 20s, what are you doing? You're establishing your life, yourself, your career, your identity. So all of these thoughts are swirling in your head. Who am I? And you throw sex into the mix, and it can just be a very, very muddled equation. And I think this may be, because women are maybe marginally more self-aware than men. <laughs> maybe because we're doing so much internal analysis of yes. our landscape. Yes. That, uh, and because sex is so intertwined with our psyches, it's very emotional experience for us. Now, this is not true for all women. i got to hand it to the women out there who can go out and screw. I was never one of those people. But um, I, I think it's very cool when I, when I hear this from young women. I, I think it's great because I, I, that, this was not happening in my 20s. Women were still very emotional about sex, and we were told that we were sluts or whores if we had too much of it. That was just the way it was. And so for me in my 20s and for a lot of my, let's say, friends, cohorts, it wasn't a time of great sexual pleasure and release because, again, you have to be vulnerable and you have to have a basis of who you are. So from where I'm sitting for me, yes. the 20s were not, not the sexual peak. So right from that scenario, mm -hmm. your interpretation, I could tell there's the huge difference between men and women. Mm -hmm. Because for us guys mm -hmm. in that age bracket, we're not thinking of any of that stuff. We're, th <laughs> <laughs> we're thinking of, I want to bang something right now. And, and you think that all day? All day long. All day. All day. So I, we could be having this conversation and, and you could just be thinking about your penis. If this was me in high school, uh -huh. okay. in, in 11th to 12th grade, uh -huh. and we're having this conversation, yeah. I have an erection already. It's, Is it's, that embarrassing? Very much. Look, look at the guys in high school. <laughs> They're all carrying their books down low. <laughs> and that's for a reason. They're covering up the erection because they were just in class with the cheerleader in front of them. And that's all and, it and, took. Oh, just the cheerleader sitting there. Not even a cheerleader. It's a, Anybody. A, yeah. Anybody. So, no. We're, a woman. Okay. So, men, I don't speak for all men, of course. But I don't, I don't even speak for myself. This is just from research. But yeah, if you're in like the classroom, you're just going from woman to assuming you're heterosexual mm -hmm. uh, right. you can't assume okay uh, you're going from woman to woman and and uh, imagining uh having sex with them so you're having these bad porn scenes in your head during a math class where do you think porn came from where do you think these scenarios were <laughs> were, were designed in high school <laughs> they, they were not the 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 screenplay was already written when we're when we're in the 11th grade, 10th grade. Uh-huh. So, oh, I bet you if we went to the library together, and then bouncing. So, it was, the scenarios were already there. And, yeah, you're just sitting there, and... 
I think there's even data on this. Like a, a sexual thought comes in uh, a young man of that age like every 30 seconds. Yeah. And it's re- it's true. It's very true. It's very true. Let me tell you something. I would love to feel that for one day just to see how very distracting it is. And I think women don't have a great understanding of, of that sensation in men. I, I think they don't get it. They don't get. I don't think they. Sh- they want. I don't think we want them to get it. I think mm-hmm. if, if I think if women really knew what we were thinking, they would just think we're all perverts and and would not want to be with us at all. Yeah. Oh yeah. That that. <laughs> yeah, like at that age when you're talking to a girl, like yeah. you're just like you're just making shit up, you know. Just like I just, I'm, I'm totally thinking about sex right now. I'm just but I'm trying to make myself look like a normal human, so you don't think I'm weird. But I'm really weird. <laughs> this is really incredible. Oh, it's I... it is. It, so I think I think I mean back in the day, I mean they had it. I mean I didn't have it right, but you know when they used to separate boys and girls in school. Yes, that was for a reason. That's because mm-hmm. well, what was the reason? Boy, well, a boy is not going to concentrate on schoolwork right. with girls there. I mean, right. I hate to say it, it's really true, <laughs> but yeah. but we you know we muddle, we get through, right? And you know, you know, you go home and do your homework, and you're okay, and you take your test, and you're okay. But yeah, it is distracting. What so. was the consensus on masturbation? Like, is this something that guys talked about? No, no, it's a weakness. Oh, um, it's you wouldn't need, if somebody like a guy mentioned that you would like run away from like you're weird, dude. So you would like run away. Like, no, you would not discuss so that whatsoever. It would be better to be a virgin and never talk about masturbating. So basically people would think you had zero sex. Then. Uh, yes. Because you could lie about, you could lie about your virginity or, or you know. So, oh, yeah. You, oh, oh, yeah. You, something you know, happened. I, I, somebody, yeah. I hit that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Exactly right. So you know, no, you did not talk about it whatsoever, Joy. which is weird because that's the age when you do are that doing it all the, the time. most. Now, what did okay? So, what was the consensus of like parents of your friends about masturbation? Parents did of they my, know that it was happening? Well, did, uh, they had to because they were, you know, they were a, a child. You know, they were that age once. So yeah, so, so the, the fathers knew. Yeah, but they wouldn't say anything. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, the fathers would not... No, this is not something you talk to your father about, for sure. But the father knew, but the mother probably wouldn't, because, again, she's never felt that 18-year-old male. The mother may not know, but I think they I think they do, because they the think... The mothers know. They know. Mothers know. Mothers know. Okay. So, yeah. sexual release of teenagers. Let's talk about that. Um, in many cultures, it's, masturbation is frowned upon. The right. Catholic Church. Yes. Certain Muslim religions. And I just wonder about long term what that does in terms of this rising male drive with zero release. It just seems to me to be very unhealthy and uncomfortable. Yeah, but you're assuming that the that the people these ages are not doing it. They're they're just doing it in private. That's all. So they are still doing it. Oh yeah. Even though they're told not to do it. Absolutely. Huh. Absolutely. Oh yeah, the yeah, the, those yeah. They just don't listen. Absolutely. No, it's, yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, the rule, no, masturbate, no, you'll, hairy palms, you'll. Hairy palms, blindness. Blindness is a big Blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, or you'll ruin yourself for your future uh, uh, spouse, blah, blah, blah. They'll say that, but it, 
that means you know that means nothing that's still done okay so yeah. let's talk about let's yes. say men in world war ii soldiers yeah. what's it like to be in your 20s and to go months without sex who said they went months without sex? okay so <laughs> so you can't exactly <laughs> masturbate if you're in one tent with all your other platoon yes, mates, right but i mean i i was not i have not been in the military okay but from what I've heard, my research, what, right. I heard, what I heard is, uh, yeah, but then, but they have like these leaves and then they go into town and, and, oh. and every, and oh. every town had the brothels. So okay. they would, they would uh, frequent the brothels on their, well, I guess what they called Liberty. So every, I guess that's yeah, true. So every, I don't know how many, how, how long, it, you know. It had, again, I was not in the military, but every so often you have liberty. So when you go into town, you visit the local uh, esta- establishment of the oldest profession. I see. From you know, my research. Again, not, never I, in the military. I honestly think the military encouraged that because it made for, quote, more focused soldiers. Yes, but they didn't want them to get VD. So that was the issue. And they certainly didn't want them in relationships because that's no. bad too. Right, right. So, no, they wanted them to get, yeah, but they always, I guess... I, I guess I get very information from like watching Mash and <laughs> but but I think they showed them like movies on and, and how you know don't how not to get BV or don't get BV. So I get they, I think they just encourage condoms. Um, yeah. But yeah, go to go to the brothel, but use condoms. Don't get BV. But uh, you know, but you know, do what you got to do. So let me ask you this: if you if you're at war, let's just give, I'll give you a hypothetical. It's nineteen never been there, but yes, nineteen forty two. Yes, you're in France. Right, we. Oui. You're twenty. You're at war, oui. and you meet a girl in the countryside named Jeanette. Okay. And you get it on with Jeanette in the barn. Yes. Are you thinking about Jeanette the next day? Yeah, like what you're thinking like about what a good, her. Not like relationship wise, but like what a good time I had. Okay, Jeanette. that's all you're thinking. About yeah, Jeanette. and that's where I think women, you know, let's say my generation and earlier generations, we always thought that the man was pining over us, when really he wasn't. Well, if we have sex again, yeah. Okay, but that's it. <laughs> you want to do it again? Sure, Jeanette. We, <laughs> oui, Jeanette, but but not but uh, but yeah, well. I don't want to get married. I don't want to marry you, Jeanette. But. See, and this is where the romance novels for women really were toxic because it was leading women down this garden path of I'm going to surrender my body to this man, give him my flower, and he's going to fall madly in love with me and never screw anyone else for the rest of our lives. Yeah, good one. <laughs> that, that is a fantasy, yes. <laughs> that, that is right. Yeah, the five, you know, five, of course, Fabio, you know. Yes. Fabio. And then he's never had another woman. No, no. Fabio no. is a monogamous type of very monogamous type of guy. Yes. You know, he, you know, he's a one woman man, Fabio. <laughs> <laughs> so this is good because I feel like again we backtracked from the eighties where people again should still be having sex. Right. Right. And we we round we wound the clock to age eighteen, and we see exactly what happened in the lifespan sexually. To the person, the individual. Wow, we did that. I didn't even realize it. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. That's I awesome. Think. Yeah. That's great. So this has stimulated a lot of thought in my mind, and I want to thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Becca. So hopefully people stay tuned. It was an interesting topic, so I think people will stay tuned. And um, have fun in Florida. Thank you. And... Uh, 
And we'll see you all on the next episode of Women's Healthcare with Dr. Bruce Pierce. Bye, everybody. Bye.